Welcome to the Nach Daily, a Congregation Ahavas Torah initiative. Today, we begin our discussion of the second major unit and second half of Sefer Yehoshua with Perek Yud Gimel. And the Perek begins with a surprise. We are told that Yehoshua is getting old and will soon die. V'ha'aretz nishara harbei me'od lirishta. And there remained a great deal of the land that had been yet conquered, that had yet to be seized and controlled by the Bnei Israel. And if you're receiving this via email or WhatsApp, I've included another helpful map from the outstanding Da'at Mikra Bible Atlas, which outlines the significant portions of the land, which our parak indicates have not yet been captured by the Bnei Israel. And it also has cities in yellow, uh, that are within the conquered territory that remain in the hands of the Kena'anim. And indeed, as the Pasuk indicates, there is a tremendous percentage, a tremendous component of Kena'an that remains unconquered. And this seems to fly in the face of the last two Prakim, where we were told, for example, uh, Pasuk at the very end of Perak Yud Aleph, the 11th chapter, Vayikach Yehoshua es kol ha'aretz. We're told that Yehoshua conquered the entirety of the land, just as was commanded to Moshe. And then we're told that Yehoshua divides up the land, which will be discussed in greater detail uh, in this parak and in the prakim to follow. And the land was quieted from, from war, from battle. And this sense of complete victory, which we just read at the very end of Parak Yud Aleph, is echoed and, and amplified by the, the shira by the, the song of praise and the 31 kings and, and cities that are described at the end of Perak Yud Bet, which we discussed yesterday. And yet it's clear from our Perak that the job was far from complete. So what do we do with this? It reminds me, Lahavdil, but to use a contemporary example, when President George W. Bush gave his infamous speech on the USS Abraham Lincoln, just a few months into the war in Iraq, uh, with the big banner hanging over his head that said, Mission Accomplished, even though, the, even though the war would continue officially until 2011, and in many ways continues Adayom Hazeh, to use a phrase that we find in Sefer Yehoshua. So, what do we do with this seeming contradiction? And firstly, I think we can actually use the war in Iraq as a very useful tool in answering the question. Because in one sense, to now focus a bit on the war in Iraq. In one sense, the mission had truly been accomplished, right? The banner uh, was not entirely wrong because the formal Iraqi army had been toppled. But the business of truly controlling the population and building a state, right? All the, the work of state building was a long, long, long way off and far, as we know now, unfortunately, uh, far from being truly accomplished. And the same can be said, to some degree, in our context, and say for Yehoshua. Yehoshua had succeeded in toppling the major political militaristic powers of Canaan. The Bnei Israel were now the dominant force in the land, but the work of controlling the entire population, every square foot of the land, would take centuries to fully accomplish, really until the time of David HaMelech, until the, ring, the reign rather of King David. And so, you can say that the picture painted in chapter 11 and 12 don't really contradict what we then learn today in Perak Yud Gimel. They just have a different focus. 
And often, when we have seeming contradictions in Tanakh, it can be explained in this way, in this manner. That in one area, the Torah was focused on a particular, uh, a particular dimension of a topic, and then elsewhere, the treatment is given from a, a different perspective. And so it seems like a contradiction, but in fact, it's just two different ways of approaching the, the same reality. Moving on in the Perek, Hashem tells Yehoshua that despite not having conquered all of the land, he should still go ahead with dividing it up among the tribes. And Hashem promises that over time, he will drive away the Canaanite population. And the rest of the Perek focuses on the land being div- divided, particularly among Ruven Gad and Chatzi Shevet Menashe, half of the tribe of Menashe uh, in the Transjordan. And in the subsequent Prakim, we're going to hear at great length about the dividing of the land uh, in Canaan proper among the other tribes. Now, just reading this parak, you might think that Hashem initially, quote-unquote, planned for the Bnei Yisrael to capture everything and have absolute control of the land, and only then would they divide it up. But since Yehoshua is getting old, it, it doesn't seem like that's going to be possible. And so Hashem goes to plan B, again, quote unquote, and allows Yehoshua to divide up the land now, kind of prematurely in a certain sense. But I would argue to the contrary for a few reasons. Firstly, recall that in Sefer Shemos, in the uh, 23rd parak of Exodus, Hashem says that he will drive out the inhabitants of Canaan slowly. Because, as the Pasuk there explains, If it happens too rapidly, the land will become desolate and then overrun with wild animals. And that's because the population of Bnei Yisrael won't be large enough to fill the land yet. And so instead, Hashem, this is in Shemos, all the way back in Sefer Shemos in the Torah that Hashem is saying this, that rather Hashem is going to um, have the conquest unfold incrementally. It's going to happen slowly and give time for the nation to organically grow and fill and populate the land. This goes back to what we just said before. The Bnei Israel can control the land militarily already in the time of Yehoshua, but they can't yet inhabit every square foot. They, they don't, they're not populous enough to do so. And so, L'Chachila, I think uh, you could say, the plan was, right, the, the, uh, um, the initial plan, the ideal plan was always to, uh, meant to follow in this way. It was always meant to be incremental and slow, and Yehoshua was never going to have a total uh, a complete domination of every square foot of Canaan. In addition, we find in Sefer Shoftim, which I look forward to learning with you fairly soon, we find in the second and third prakim uh, that Hashem there says that the Canaanite population was left, uh, a, a proportion, uh, a component of the Canaanite population was left uh, in the land of Canaan. Here, this is including the, the Plishtim, uh, among others, why? It was to test the Bnei Yisrael and to determine that they would be steadfast in their faith even as they encounter continually foreign cultures and foreign worship. Additionally, uh, the Canaanites, as Sefer Shoftim outlines, the Canaanites were left in the land so that they would be a kind of continual foe to the Bnei Yisrael with whom uh, the Bnei Israel would do battle and continue to develop their abilities as warriors and as fighters, which would be an important capability as they move forward uh, and become a unified, fully functioning nation. They needed to have the ability uh, to, to make war. And so the Canaanites served this kind of religious and political function uh, in, in, in remaining 
a kind of thorn in the side of the B'nai Yisrael. Um, and, and so, again, it reflects the idea that, that their being there was not a, oh, well, Yehoshua is too old to finish the job, so dot, dot, dot. Rather, uh, this was kind of the, the necessary next step in the development of the people. So we begin the parak with a shock. The land of Canaan remains to a great extent unconquered. But the shock wears off once we put the pieces together. Yehoshua succeeds in establishing a foothold in the land for the Bnei Israel and vaults them into the dominant power in the land. But true control over every foot of the land would take generations of organic growth, as foretold already in the Torah. In the interim, the resident Canaanites would serve the important function of foil to the Bnei Israel, who would learn in their encounter with the Plishtim and with the other Canaanite populations, often the hard way, how to conduct war, and how to maintain faithfulness to Hashem in the face of a seductive foreign culture and foreign forms of worship. That's it for today. Chazak ve'matz, and happy learning.